Should direct-to-consumer brands be happy with notoriety or media? And if we're overstored as a country, can we ever be over e-commerce as well? Welcome to Tell Me Something Good About Retail, the podcast of The Retail Doctor. I'm your host, Bob Fibbs. In this episode, I'm talking to Shlomo Chop, founder and CEO of Shop Fulfill. He shares his thoughts about his new concept, Anchor Shops in Philadelphia, where 40 brands are not just presented, but merchandised and fulfilled from that store. Let's get going. I know you've been around in uh, commercial real estate for a long time, and uh, I'm just not very familiar with your company, so you can tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, what your company does. How's that? That's great. I appreciate it. So a little bit about um, just about myself. So I've been in commercial real estate, I'd say, well, since 2003, even well, slightly before that, um, I was selling kitchens and flooring tiles and I got to meet this guy that was buying shopping centers and it just it just uh, stuck with me um, I really liked the process and I liked what owning a property did for you from a convenience perspective and then my dad's in computers he's uh, he's a computer programmer and in his weekend jobs he would have me help him out a bit and then an opportunity came to my plate where there was this commercial real estate company that had a software program they were trying to sell to brokers and i was hired to take care of that um and then eventually i just got tired of trying to sell a five thousand dollar piece of software to people who spent more in a night <laughs> in the clubs and they just gave me like trying to enter the office when i came in with the organizational software the executive assistants so like thought i thought they saw a ghost it's like oh do we really need this and then the brokers didn't want to share the data i'm like you know what not mm. for me i decided i'm going into investments and hey it's got to find a property sell a property broker a property you can make a crap load of money well the problem is it doesn't happen that often so um i got into the investment side of the game and actually did a few deals which is which was good it kept me going and then the downturn hit and no one was buying any deals. No one was buying any properties. Um, and, but one Just thing so that, I understand that's 2008. That's not now. So yeah, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The finan- financial downturn meltdown, whatever you want to call it. Exactly. Um, the, the self-inflicted, the self-inflicted finance problems. But the thing that I did just because, you know, I, I didn't graduate college. I actually dropped out. <laughs> My father said, I'll pay for it. If I did a certain, you know, X, Y, and Z, but I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. So I just went my own merry way. So I taught everything to myself for the most part. And one of the things I did when working in commercial real estate is really ask why and really dig in and say like, why does this process go this way? Or why are people getting loans in this amount? Or, you know, the lender said they'll fund you 85% of your cost. Will it really close? And I was the guy around the table that said, guys, go with the more conservative quote. He understands the property better. You know, let's let's go with that loan. So being um, being involved in digging beneath the surface immediately, I was drawn to this whole concept of restructuring CMBS debt. CMBS is is securitized debt. So I basically I got into was uh, help to help borrowers 
who took on loans that were way too large for operating their properties. And for several years, I was very successful in helping borrowers get out from under foreclosure situations. Got it. And just the same problem solving approach is what led me to look at retail and say, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way for retails to be able to succeed. There's got to be a better way for digital natives to be profitable. And that's how we came up with this concept called Shop Fulfill and the anchor shops retail. And what is it in a nutshell? Like you're telling somebody at Starbucks. So Shop Fulfill is essentially a low cost. Well, let me back up. Shop Fulfill is an infrastructure that provides everything a retailer or brand needs to operate. The retail facing concept is anchor shops. So essentially it's a low cost brand centric retail presence with localized performance. So give me an example. Is this like beta? Is this like, what's, what, is there anything we would have ever known about this? Is this like that Amazon marketplace uh, in physical form? Well, it's, it's similar to beta. It's similar if you've been to neighborhood goods as well. Okay. Um, but it's slightly different. In addition, it has an infrastructure component. So when you're a retailer going into one of these locations or a brand or a digital native, we give you all the tools you need to succeed, not only in a short-term you know, store as media, hey, I just show up in the store and everyone sees my brand, they're going to go to my website, but rather we give you everything you need to succeed long-term in that location and grow your business, grow your SKUs, grow your products, grow your locations, and also at the same time, be able to cut your costs for e-commerce fulfillment and get it to the shopper quicker. And so where have you opened these up? So our first location is opening up, I'd say, late summer. Um, And that is going to be in Philadelphia. Our first region is the South Jersey Philly region. Within that region, we will be delivering e-commerce orders from store, essentially from store, next day for the price of ground from New York City, Philadelphia, D.C., that whole region. And our retail core will be in the Philadelphia area market. So the first location is downtown Philadelphia. It's a premier 7,000-square-foot shop that will house up to 40 different brands, each in different stages of growth. And they'll be merchandised. We're not a purveyor of space. We're a purveyor of product. They'll be merchandised to complement each other to encourage shoppers to come into the collective group of brands. Mm. Is it the brands they know and discover brands they don't yet? Yeah, I think that's a challenge because I know I've been into some of these, some similar concepts, let's just say, and it's like tables with products on them. And you're like, no retailer would have merchandised this like this. It's it's boring. It's a black table with, you know, a black uh, signage and the employees aren't very engaged. I also went to show fields. I was not very impressed with it. A lot of people think it's the way of the future, but... Um, I think there's a lot to be done, Shlomo, around um, if you're going to do this, you better do it with the idea like the customer who's used to going into a Nordstrom, a Macy's, a Kohl's with professional merchandisers and make it attractive. Would you agree with that? 
you are so spot on. And the one thing that I sort of try to pride myself on when I'm able to is that I, I mostly know what I don't know. I'm a real estate guy. Okay, right? that's I'm not good. You need solver. to know more than you don't exactly. know. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, listen, we could only try. We could only try. But so I brought on board my co-founder, Ryan Wolf. He's got 25 plus years of consumer experience across brand, product, channel, technology, and supply chain. He launched Banana Republic Europe. Uh, he led retail development of the Honest Company. And has got over 10 years in C-level roles in, at digital native brands. This is somebody that is going to be executing the retail component of it. It's not some Johnny come lately real estate guy. Like a lot of these other concepts mm. have either a tech guy or real estate guy that says, Oh, let's figure it out. Even a REIT guy saying, you know, we want to put a space in there so that the brands could grow into a long-term lease. So we realize that it's got to be more like Selfridges mm. and less like a, you know, Less like a uh, um, uh, a bazaar. Less like just a market of. That's a good way to think of it table. because because um, ultimately how you market this, you know, that's the other thing I know. And I've gone into the Amazon uh, four star store, and it's kind of this bizarre feel, right? Because it's just all these random things that have no real connection, and it, it starts to feel a lot like work. It doesn't feel like you're really exploring it. So being able to keep it so that it feels fresh and interesting, I think is the key. Um, so what steps have you taken to attract uh, DTC and that's direct to consumer uh, listeners, uh, retailers into this environment? So the steps we've taken is the first thing to have a point of view, right? This shop, what do we do? We focus on clean beauty. We focus on health and wellness. We focus on family. We focus on home. So when you, the shopper, come in, you know what to expect. You know what to find. Secondly, it's organized in departments, not with walls around it. There's bleed, no doubt. But it's organized where the health and wellness guys are all in one area for the most part. The clean beauty in one area for the most part. Mm. So it's organized properly. And the way we do it is essentially to say, hey, you may not be the most popular brand or the most well-known brand. You need to, If you wanted to open your own store, you couldn't attract the customers just on your own because you don't have enough product. You don't have the breadth of product required. But when we put you side by side with another brand that is exciting and compelling, that brings you through the door. And I could tell you, we've turned away more than I personally with, you know, would like. But it's about staying true to the brand because I think there's a there's a marketplace issue, right? When you have a concept with multiple brands together, you're at the mercy of all these brands, right? If one decides they want to go, what do you do next, right? Mm. And and it's important to give them an environment where they could flourish and actually do sales because that's the only thing that will keep them in store, not some promise of, well, you've gotten more notoriety for your brand and therefore you have, you know, some down the road benefit from this store as a media. So well, let's stop. Let's stop right there. Cause I think already that's music to my ears, my friend, cause it does matter if they buy it. I don't believe this whole uh, idea that, you know, if people just come and exposed to it, then you win because they'll go online. It's like any retailer would tell you that is not what it takes. I need to sell this and see if there's a real market who will pay my price without a discount. And so I appreciate that being one of the things that you are focused on. Yes, and I think 
you know, the retail industry is facing a lot of headwinds, but I think the biggest headwind that the retail industry is facing is that guys that have been in guys and gals that have been in retail forever and ever that got it wrong with Amazon. They said, ah, people don't want to shop online. Once they got it wrong for some reason, in some way it's impacted their DNA where they've forgotten everything they've known and learned about retail mm. and now bought into, okay, e-commerce is the next wave. And the funny thing about it is that the guys on the other side who started online, they want to get into retail and they don't have the expertise. So there's this two ships passing in the night. And then you have, and, and again, I don't, I don't want to cast shadows on a group as a whole, but you have a lot of the consultants coming up with theories as to this is why Amazon does well. And they break it down from convenience, maybe to experience. So therefore let's come up with it. It has to result in a sale. Because if it doesn't result in a sale, people can't grow. And we 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 feel that that's going to be the title of your flywheel. of yours. That's going to be the title of your podcast. If it if it doesn't, what was that exactly? I want to make sure I get it right. If it doesn't sell, if it doesn't sell, you can't grow. If it doesn't sell, Something you can't like grow. I think if we heard nothing else today, <laughs> this is true for big and small retailers, new and upcoming. That unless it sells, you are a hobby. I think that's what I'm getting from you. Does that make sense? You can continue, but I I really appreciate the way you say that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I have a lot of uh, definitive euphemisms, some of them that I think people can push back on, but I think that's one that's pretty tough to put back, push back on because when you don't sell, then what happens is the guys that put together these concepts, they try saying, well, hey, but e-commerce is up, and but so prove it to me. Well, there's no way to prove it if you don't have the right to t- the right technology, which goes to a whole nother pet peeve. But they got all this data tracking in store that you can't do anything with. For example, your touches are up, your sales are down. Your sales are up, your touches are down. You had women that passed by, men that, okay, dude, what do I do with all this, right? <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you connect? And this is the key thing. And this is how we differentiate, a big way we differentiate ourselves. How do you connect that shopper in store to the e-commerce order at home? And the way we do that is through a very unique attribution model because we handle localized fulfillment. And we have an in-store app, okay, that I know a lot of people don't sign up for apps, but the goal is to have location-based promotions to entice them to sign up, meaning they're walking through the store and their profile fits a certain profile that the brand that the passing by said they want to provide a discount to them. They get a buzz to the right, 20% off. All of a sudden you get that. So there's a reason for them to download it. Or even when they check out, you ask for the email because most people want email receipts as opposed to written receipts. Right. Once you have that information, you can attribute online orders in the market to that person. So even if they don't buy in store, once you have and you have a way to track them in store with permission, then you're able to say this store helped you with that order. If you don't handle the logistics side of it and it's a fragmented solution because, hey, there's a digital native brand out there. They want to grow. Great. Let's open a store. Let's give them a store. Oh, there's about 67 other things they got to do otherwise, but let's leave it to them to take care of it. Let's give them a fragmented solution. That doesn't work. So what we're what we're doing is giving them a complete solution that lets them not only do sales but grow the business and potentially even micro target customers to bring them back to those stores. So you're yeah, able like to that. now get a full picture. So that's your secret sauce is that idea that you're the one delivering it so that we can connect the dots. 
because we've got your email address. I like that. I like that whole idea because ultimately, unless you have, you know, all I, I say in my speeches is um, all that matters is conversion and add-ons. That's really about it. <laughs> Lookers to buyers, baby. And did they buy more than they initially came in for? And that's, I don't care where you are. That's got to be what it comes down to. Because to your point, they have more media exposure. Well, you know, it's not hard to get buzz. You know, some Instagrammer who, you know, I was at a, a big high profile event for a major brand and they had these influencers who had absolutely no idea what this brand really was doing, but they're taking pictures of them with a cupcake that they were serving at the event. And, you know, <laughs> oh, we got already got 3000 likes. And I'm like, do you think that translates to something? <laughs> do you think that that's it? And maybe I'm old school. I will give you that. But at the end, it's never been about buzz. It's only been about conversions. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Any, here's the thing. A lot of the people that just like those 3,000 likes, they've liked another 3,000 things in interim and moved on. And I think it's it is, there's really two really interesting things that um, – well, let's first stand on the one on social media that's really interesting to me. So everybody has been pounding on how the U.S. is over-retailed per capita, right? right. So. In the U.S., per square, I don't know what the stat is. You probably know it offhand. I have it written down somewhere. Yeah, 100, there's 100 stores for every person in America. It's something outrageous. You're just like, wow, thanks. Yeah. Got it. Now, the interesting thing about that, okay, is that if you take those 100 stores, the people in the market who those stores are supposed to target have each been to those stores, okay? Now, let's take e-commerce. How e-commerce are we in America? And here's why it's even worse, because if you just take a look at how many brands seep through on Instagram, on Facebook, because Instagram and Facebook, that is our, that's the equivalent of our walking through the mall, right? Absolutely. We don't even get to Products see are finding them. us now. We're not even looking for them, right? Exactly. But all these brands don't even break through to even come to our face on Instagram and Facebook. And if they want to, they got to bid for spaces. So imagine you on Southwest and you're bidding for a better, better seat and you constantly were bidding the whole flight. That's essentially what's going on over here. So we're not over retailed. Yes, we compared to other countries where much larger consumer economy is no question. We're over e-commerce and the way to get out of it, as crazy as it seems, is to go into retail. And if you go into retail, you're physically around the individual. You don't have to bother with all Instagram and Facebook thing. And all of a sudden, you're getting organic growth, organic impressions by people walking by. And that's and that's something that brands are learning and want to get in. But yet, unfortunately, there's these barriers to entry, credit, build out, expertise, infrastructure. And that's what we're breaking down. This season is sponsored by Springboard Retail POS. You know, one of the biggest challenges I hear from listeners, and whether they're selling from a store, from trunk shows, pop-ups, or just online, is that they want great, easy-to-use data. On top of that, they want customizable reporting. Well, that's where Springboard Retail comes in. Their best-in-class reporting helps you run a best-in-class retail operation. Higher sales, higher margins, and faster sell-through. Springboard Retail's customer success team will help you get all of your historical data into Springboard and get you up and running in a flash with a one-on-one -on -one personalized onboarding experience that's run by actual humans. And now it's even easier for you listeners to supercharge your business with Springboard Retail POS. Just visit springboardretail.com forward slash retail doc 
and you'll receive 20% off your first year. Now back to the show. So what do you think the best advice you've ever gotten in retail? This could even go back to when you were selling tile or, uh, or some of those things. What do you think the best advice you've gotten, Shlomo? The best advice I've ever gotten, and I got it from someone who was a hands-on, roll up your sleeves, and I'd sit there with the spreadsheets and come up with all these numbers and how they work. And he'd say, when you finish with the spreadsheet and something doesn't sit right, the numbers tell but in your gut, it just uh, go what you got. You know, and mm. do it to be concerned. Like at the end of the day, like if you think you can make a deal happen, it's a classic Wall Street thing. Yes, we ran the numbers, we've put all the variables, we've beat up the numbers, we've and it works. But deep down, you know, something doesn't add up, just have a good day. And 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 I apply this, for example, to e-commerce, right? Um, immediacy in retail is so important. So why is it that people are ready to wait two to three days to get the orders online? And it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't believe that people are ready to sacrifice it. I think the reason is, me personally, and it could have been proven out, maybe it could be, who knows, is that at least on e-commerce, I see on the website what they have, and I know for a fact I'm going to get it. So it's actually better certainty going online of finding that product, and I'll wait a day or two, than there is to go to the store and not knowing whether it's on the shelf because so many stores don't track the inventory, which then explains why exchanges and returns are so popular in store. Well, returns on, but exchanges, because I know if I go to the store, I could actually exchange it for something I could touch and feel. And I like, because now I don't know what I'm looking for anymore. I'm looking for something else as opposed to going online and saying, well, that one looks good online too. Well, the first one looked good online too, as well. So the point is, I think, personally, that retail is the crux of shopping. I think I think e-commerce is perhaps maybe even 70% of shopping, but it's a latter 70%. It's once you're comfortable enough with the sh- retailer or brand you're buying from, then you use it as a convenience, but not as a way to sort of fall in love with the product or decide that you like it. Well, I agree that the, um, you know, people say people go online to buy, they go into a store to shop. And that's kind of where you fit in place by being able to bring the direct to consumer uh, brands there, because ultimately they're going to be able to choose from three different departments essentially and discover within that that there's something they like versus going online. You know, like uh, the example I always use is my printer. I, I'm not going to go down to a Staples or something and try to find the HP number 54 color. And then have some guy with a little scrunchie around his wrist go and unlock it and, you know, let me buy it. I'm going to just get that online. But I'm certainly not walking into a uh, – I'm not going to Staples uh, – excuse me. I'm not going to Amazon and uh, just trying to browse printers all day. It's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do this. So that whole idea of what our intent is when we're shopping to discover – or fulfillment. The tr- I think what's killing so many brick and mortar retailers is they are approaching it like um, you know people come in and ask and we answer. It's like a big warehouse. Uh, yeah. Do you have a size sixteen and a red shirt with uh, black uh, buttons? Uh, yes or no. Well, if that's what your you think your store exists, online can do that better because I can I can search it. It's a sixteen large shirt with black cuffs, but. If you can see it as more this, if you're just curious about it and then can pique their curiosity by the merchandising and the brands you choose that it's not what I see everywhere else, then it sounds like you got something. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Nice. And, uh, I, yeah. No. 
So tell me something good about retail. We're coming to the close of our episode and um, tell me something good about retail. I think the real good news about retail is that everyone's finally figuring out that all the fluff and wacky ideas around new age, I don't want, I don't know how to describe it, but all like stories, media, only a media, I call it, I say diamond is paperweight, right? Or, or uh, e-commerce is the only way of the future and retail stores don't work or people don't want to carry products and take it out. All these, all these misconceptions, even Walmart that couldn't figure out that they should be using their stores to compete with Amazon and putting them out of business way back in the day, they're all finally coming around. They it's realize literally, it, yeah. yeah. It's like now the it's it's everything setting in, which is good and bad. The bad is a lot of the public companies are getting clobbered aside from the recent the recent issues mm-hmm. in the past couple of months, which is getting clobbered because um, because we're realizing that they don't have the proper tenants in those malls. And on the flip side, um, you also have a lot of the new digital native brands that have that have filled some of the void online for some of the incumbent retailers that are going out of business, and they no longer can survive online because the venture capital guys are not going to fund unsustainable business no more with content marketing or digital marketing. So, but that's the bad. But the good is, I mean, the phoenix is burning, but it's about to come out from its ashes in my opinion and i you know i hope and i believe that we're we're part of that we're part of that turnaround i may have to quote you on the the phoenix is rising up from the ashes and we get to be a part of it i like that well how can we find out more about your company and uh the expected opening date of your first location there in philadelphia so we are at www.anchorshops.com Excellent. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, my friend, and uh, we look forward to hearing about your great success with this. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Thanks again to my guest, Shlomo Chop. You know, the direct-to-consumer market is growing, but finding traction with customers is still going to be daunting, especially after the virus outbreak. But I really appreciate Shlomo's wise words that unless it sells, it's not a good product. You don't need likes, you need buys. On next week's episode, I'll be speaking with Neil Abramson of ECI Stores about the trends and unique challenges of the resale market. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm Bob Fibbs, The Retail Doctor. Thanks again for listening. Tell Me Something Good About Retail is the podcast of The Retail Doctor. Visit RetailDoc.com to learn what makes Bob Fibbs the authority on brick-and-mortar retail across the world who works with some of the biggest brands all the way down to the smallest mom and pops. As a listener of the Tell Me Something Good About Retail podcast, you can receive free information and guides when you visit RetailDoc.com and sign up for our exclusive weekly newsletter. For more information to access the complete archives of past retail goodness and to see about Bob speaking to your audience, please visit RetailDoc.com.